Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cinematics. I'm fucking Bali. And I'm Ryan. Today, we're going to be talking about our next installment of the video game adaptation series, Silent Hill, an adaptation that does and doesn't work. The first Silent Hill came out in 1999, released by or developed by Konami. And it was supposed to be a competitor with Resident Evil, which was also another survival horror game. But whereas Resident Evil was about killing zombies and other monsters, you know, created biologically, this is uh, was meant to be a psychological horror game. So when it came out, it was completely different. And the fog world only existed mostly, as I understand, because of limitations of the hardware that they were working with at the time. And it it works for the game because the fog world is supposed to be like the dream state of the of the character. And then the other world is like the hardcore manifestation of like all the all the pain and guilt and everything else from that person and Alessa, who is also still there. Whoever's powering the the town as it were yeah exactly so starting off like the movie looks and sounds like silent hill but the ideas don't entirely work because so basically silent hill is supposed to be a place that projects some of your worst and like repressed fears right and then it, it projects them into Things that would specifically terrify you. It's Scarecrow. Yeah. And depending on like your level of traumas in life or whatever, you might not even see monsters. Right. So one of the one of the things that I've heard about this, and I think this was actually stated by some of the game developers. Don't quote me on it, but they said I'm quoting you. (laughs) (laughs) They said like they wanted the like the creatures in the game to look very Lovecraftian, like kind of formless, kind of weird creatures that you can't really define in a lot of ways. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So like the reason it works is because it looks and sounds like Silent Hill, but the ideas just don't work with what Silent Hill is supposed to be. Like if they because Rose is, I, as far as I can tell, Rose is a mix between Harry Mason from the first one, uh, James something or other from the second one, and Cheryl from the third one, right? Oh, okay. So, because like in, in Silent Hill 3, it's Cheryl going back to, and it's Cheryl, not Sharon. Mm. But it's basically, it's basically her going back to Silent Hill to like figure out what happened, blah, blah, blah. So, oh, okay. I think Rose is like supposed to be a mixture of all three of those characters to me anyways. But one of the reasons it doesn't work for one is because she sees Pyramid Head and Pyramid Head has been in some of the other games, but Pyramid Head was only supposed to be in the second game. And then he became so recognizable that after the development team on the first three Silent Hill games, they called them Team Silent. But after they went off, they saw Pyramid Head as a way to cash in on the franchise. So, you know, things like pyramid head and like certain things she sees like the nurses and stuff like now, cause I, I really, I played a little bit of the silent Hill games, but I haven't really got into them. So I just did like a bunch of research. So when you know what it's kind of about and you see like these, what are supposed to be projections of like all these monsters and creatures in silent Hill, it doesn't make any sense in the context. Cause it's like, why, why is Rose like what kind of problem does Rose have with nurses and other things? Like there's no, there's no background to why these things would exist. And I guess before I continue, I should also say that Silent Hill opened on April 21st, 2006 with a budget of 50 million and worldwide it grossed a hundred point six million. So I, I would like to comment on that, that pyramid head thing. Cause you sent me that video that was on YouTube, Mac, posted by Max Durat, a series of videos on Silent Hill. And, and one of them, he talks about who Pyramid Head is. And he talks about the, the idea of Pyramid Head being 
the id of James, right? Mm-hmm. His his like yeah. his guilty conscience in a way manifesting itself, his his darkest pleasures that the id has brought out in him and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I would actually I I this is gonna be a real controversial opinion, but I actually think that it works. And I say that because we don't see him we don't see Pyramid Head show up until after Rose has realized she's made a mistake. That she shouldn't have come here, that her kid's very likely gonna die, and now she's feeling super guilty about having not listened to her husband and having not uh and having brought her daughter into danger. And as she's like coming to this sort of coming to terms with this, now this this guilty conscience of hers kind of comes out. And we see Pyramid Head. So I don't think it's perfect, but I think that they're making direct connections that do in some ways work more than I think they're given credit for. But I should preface that by saying that I have never played the games. I really don't know much about them. So that they've always been on my bucket list of games to play, but just hasn't hasn't happened. Um, So I don't know. I'm not... A big fan which means that I'm not I don't have that sort of attachment to Pyramid Head as he is in in Silent Hill 2 sure but from what I have seen and researched on it it looks like it does kind of still work but I can understand why people feel like it's a a money grab in the same way that like I feel like the nurses work because it's it becomes in the movie less a personal interpretation of Rose and more the interpretation of Alessa, who's powering the place. That's true. And yeah. the nurse is her haunting because the nurse, you know, the nurse who looked at her and, and hurt her. I think approaching it from the viewpoint of a gamer or of of like a fan of the games, I guess, I guess you could say whatever. The only thing, like if they just did this as its own standalone uh, Silent Hill movie without retelling the events of like mostly the first game and some of the second game i guess i think if they were gonna have pyramid head in it he should have just had a different form like i can see why they did it i'm glad that he's in it and it's cool and everything but it's just like i think they would have been better off just making their own silent hill story that didn't have anything to do with the other ones if it was just someone going to silent hill i I see your point and and i did note too that um the same effect could be achieved by making Pyramid Head in a different form. But I think that they were trying... My guess is they were trying to connect something more viscerally and more directly. But but I agree, it could have definitely worked that way too. I think that would have went, went out better with the fans, though, if they just did their own thing. Probably. It's like, some people I talk to about the movie, they're like, yeah, you know, like, it was good and stuff. Like, I've never heard anybody really talk too bad about the movie other than like on YouTube and stuff like that. But people that I've talked to, they can always kind of like it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, from again, from a perspective of a person who has not played the games and doesn't know anything about them, I I do actually quite like the movie. It's got a lot of problems and there's a lot of like gripes I have with it. Um, But overall, I do actually, it's, it's one of the better ones in this video game adaptation series that we've done so far. One of the better ones we've looked at. 100%. I remember the first time I played this game too. Well, I didn't play it. I was like, how old was I? Like eight? Eight at the time or something like that. And I was over at my cousin's house, John, who's going to be on the next podcast. But uh, I watched him play it uh, the first time I ever experienced Silent Hill, as it were. It was pretty scary like the one thing that the movie got right for sure was like all the camera angles like when rose is going down the stairs into that basement or wherever Mm. or into that that courtyard where all those kids come out like that was ripped like when it when it shows like the overhead angle and it kind of like switches around that was another thing that the game did was it wasn't just pre-rendered backgrounds the camera actually moved with you so you had um a certain level of of dread associated with playing it as well, which I think is what the the movie did really well. And in, in some instances, was the the camera work that they did, like when Rose is going down the stairs, or like when that first monster came out in the uh, in the fog world. Like that just looked like something out of a video game. Like it it looks like actual uh, I guess frames from Silent Hill. 
I think isn't there actually a a scene where you see the 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 same kind of like weird zombie creature stagger down the hill and out that part from the movie wasn't that also in a game directly where he's like comes out of the fog down the street it's the same monster you're like walking down the street it could have been I don't recall anything like that from the first one but it could have been the second one okay maybe I I thought I saw a clip of it in one of those videos but I'm not sure even Resident Evil like Resident Evil tried to do the static camera kind of shots but they were they were less apparent in resident evil because it was just like and i'll use an example um from the first resident evil anyways because that's the one i can only think of but there's and i i remember specifically when i was watching the making of they're like oh yeah we wanted to replicate the camera angles from previous resident evil games but all it really showed was an overhead shot of alice just and i guess it kind of works but it's just not it doesn't work as well as in silent hill but alice just walked up to a dead zombie to get a gun and then he came to life it was i don't know it it was just so much flatter in resident evil than it was in silent hill it's well integrated here where like it makes it makes sense where they use it yeah in terms of like the style and like how things work mechanically a lot of ways it actually looks like the game and it sounds like the game like the same person who did the first one or did the music for the first three or four or however many games of silent hill akira yame yamaoka i butchered that (laughs) but uh he produced the music with this and i think jeff dana performed it or composed it or whatever so like there was a lot of influence for you know i don't i don't know how many other people from team silent were actually working on this but he's one of the the main ones anyways for the music because i think the music in silent hills important for establishing the atmosphere oh and any horror music's extremely important i think i would i would follow up those two thoughts with essentially agreeance i i almost entirely liked all of the music i loved how it was very industrial yeah mm-hmm. in a lot of places it really matched the the deep dark down parts there was one song i was not a fan of which is uh it's called lost connection it's the sort of mystery sounding like keyboard whatever tune <laughs> okay i think i know the one you're talking about it comes up multiple times it's reused several times and i think i've heard it in like clips from the game too and i'm pretty sure yeah it makes it and i just i don't like it i it to me it didn't it felt like something acquired off of like a free music archive (laughs) happy mystery sort of sound and it was the only part of the entire soundtrack that I like. Every time it came on, I was like, "This doesn't fit with whatever's going on right now." I don't. I, I right. didn't think. But other than that, I love the music, and I love the cinematography, especially those overheads that you were talking about. Yeah, were so like the way they use them to to incite a kind of vertigo and and disorientation in you, trying to figure out where people were and where they were going and. And you're always kind of looking straight down because you know down below is where all the evil is. Right, yeah. And the lighting of it too. I, I was really impressed with the the contrast between uh, the really dark high contrast and then the sort of flatness of the, the ash world was a really nice contrast. And then the contrast of like the really, really warm late summer afternoon, evening, warm light of the real world with the cold was so powerful, especially when they do that crossover where they're both in the same place and they like run through each other. Mm, yeah. The contrast of, of lighting there was just so good with that match. Oh, I, I really appreciated the, the cinematography in this. So, and that there. The other thing that I, I really liked, I, I guess probably when it comes to the you know the set design and the lighting and everything that just all rolled into one but like the uh the other world i think it's called that looks like it's just and i was watching it again today a little bit and um the one thing that popped in my head is it just looks saturated with evil or darkness i don't know it just had this thing where it just looked like in your skin 
really, really red. Like, you know how when you put a light behind a finger and your finger gets that sort of ambient <laughs> yeah. occlusion glow? Like, it felt like that a lot. I don't know why that imagery came to my head, but that's kind of how I felt with it for some reason. And there's a there's a shot of Rose looking at all the all the streets. And I didn't know this until recently, but uh, uh, Rose is looking at a map of Silent Hill and it has like all these different names and all those all those street names are named after let's say people of horror so like bachman road was rick uh, richard bachman which was stephen king's pen name that's cool i didn't know that i appreciate that a lot yeah i guess on the continuation of technical discussion of of more broad nature uh, the one thing that i thought was one of the things i the main thing i thought was pretty lacking in this was was the dialogue. Mm, mm-hmm. It's... I don't know if I could pinpoint a line of dialogue that wasn't... didn't feel like it was designed to tell you something in a way that was not subtle and could have been way, way, way more subtle. And I think my favorite example of it is that uh, sequence at the end where she goes down and meets the demon and it explains to her for six minutes. I timed this. It's a six <laughs> minute sequence Yeah. where she explains the entire plot. I'm like, okay, this was entirely unnecessary. We did not need to interrupt this really intense moment to flash back to like the entire history. It would have been way better. I think if Chris had found it and and I, I, I have some, some like a breakdown of how I would have done it, which would be that instead of having her just get told everything, mm-hmm. I would have Chris find the information. Oh, Chris, right, Sean Bean. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, his whole plot line was useless. He did nothing. He advanced no plot. <laughs> yeah. All he was there for is to interrupt for tension so that we cut away to him and to give Rose a little bit of depth so that there's a reason we care for her getting back, et cetera. And, and all of that's important, but like the whole plot line of him going down there was completely useless. Instead, yeah. he should have gone down, he should have gone through and done all the stuff he did, but he should have been able to access the records. There's no reason for them to have been confidential or classified because it wasn't a government like black ops operation or anything like that. The town has been abandoned for like 30 years or something. And everybody in Brahms seems to know what happened there anyways. So there's not much reason for it to be classified that way because everybody already fucking knows anyways. And then finally on that, it's like everybody's gone. Everybody who is involved, you're not protecting anybody's anonymity or anything. So there's no reason for them to be classified. So he should have been able to find that information through his own stealthing. It would have made his character more engaged and then it would have also made an interesting endpoint where instead of uh, Rose getting told all of this and then making this decision to go back, the demon would not tell her anything. The demon would spare her, but get inside her, knock her out, whatever. And then she would have no choice but to go back to the church. And then once she's released the thing unwillingly, she now has to choose between saving her daughter and trying to help the townspeople and that choice would have a lot more weight because she doesn't know the whole backstory all she knows is that she needs to save her daughter and that's what matters anyway so we still get the story because chris chris finds out about it and it makes that ending stronger i think so yeah 100 percent. plus then we don't get interrupted yeah, exactly. Like the only thing I would say to that, like uh, just with the people not wanting to give up the information is they were they're from the town next to it. So maybe they don't want people from the outside knowing because everybody knows it's like supposedly haunted and they don't want people going in. Like I'd say keep that part in there. So then it forces Chris to actually go in and find the information basically at all costs. Yeah. And instead of instead of him getting caught then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or even like, he could get caught, but he would still find out the whole story, I guess. Yeah, because all he does is wander around and fucking cry, basically. It's just like, and I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> the, the scene where he's there looking for her is great, and the scene yeah. where they cross paths is great, and he needs to be there because he gives her 
more importance to us as an audience because we now know what she has to go back to and it makes the ending when she's trapped more impactful because we know that they're right in front of each other and yet they'll never talk to each other again so it's more impactful so he's got to be there but but he needs more yeah he definitely needed more to do especially because it's sean bean man yeah and i was i i made a note here saying that even though he didn't die in the movie a part of him died (laughs) (laughs) it's not really the only movie where sean bean doesn't die because he kind of (laughs) dies I I think I think the whole movie is a giant metaphor for losing a loved one. Yeah. That's my theory. You know, it's like she dies in a tragic car accident when she's running away with her child to try and find the thing and then she's like in purgatory and he's like, "Oh, I need my wife back." And uh, Oh shit, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. It's just like an exploration of the loss of a loved one and dealing with death. Dude, that's so true. I didn't, I didn't even think of it that way. I was so like fixated on the game that I just, I don't know, I, I just didn't think of it that way. Yeah, that's smart. Yes, because I'd never played the game or knew the game stories. It gave exactly. me new perspective, and, man. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I would have changed too, and you might disagree, but as as you know, somebody who knows like a couple things about the game, anyways, but. I think it would have worked a lot better without like the whole Silent Hill thing, right? And just have it starting off as them heading towards Silent Hill and Sean Bede's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you need to tell me. And then that's where it can start. Because that's how the games basically start, too, is you get your like your little opening cinematic or whatever. And then it drops you into uh, Harry Mason driving the Silent Hill and almost running over Dark Alessa. And then that's where it begins. Interesting. I don't disagree with you. I think that there's there's definitely something to be gained from that. The only reason I think that makes it more difficult is because you already have so much dialogue in the beginning that's trying to tell people what's going on. And if you don't have that intro scene, then you have to have you either have to have even more of that dialogue of like she's been having nightmares, blah 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 blah, this and that, and we have to tell the audience exactly what's happening or else they'll be confused. Or else you're going to be confused because you don't really know why she's there. Here, here, here's an idea just as a, as a way to set the tone and sort of some backstory for the movie. What if you just have a really good opening credit sequence? Mm. Like Spider-Man 2, where it just kind of explains everything but doesn't explain it to you. It's just shown through the, the title sequence. Or like Tokyo Drift. Exactly, like Tokyo Drift, yeah. You know what? That's a good idea have a title sequence where we see stuff happening yeah but we don't need to have that whole spelled out sequence of because that that part was awkward especially the screaming part like i was like this is like i get it i know why this is here but it's awkward and then you got your typical you know little maxwell house commercial scene where they're up against the tree drawing pictures and meowing at each other and shit (laughs) that actually was the worst part like yeah nobody stops on a road trip for that long to take a (laughs) like that it doesn't make any they fell asleep (laughs) they fell asleep for like at least an hour Uh, yeah no that i did not that scene was dumb i did not buy that (laughs) like i get they were trying to establish this happy connection because because you gotta you gotta know that she's not just kidnapping your kid and trying to kill it or something. <laughs> yeah. Because because then when the cop shows up, which I mean that that's the only other major thing that I have a gripe with is the her running away from the cop. Because that just doesn't make any sense. I think what should have happened is the cop should have been following her sneakily to see where she was going, and then when she turns up to Silent Hill, then she's like, oh shit. It's happening again. She tries to chase her down. And at that point, it makes more sense that she runs because she's now breaking into a facility that she's not supposed to be in. And I I don't get I don't get Rose's problem with Sybil Bennett. Like Sybil Bennett wasn't really doing anything and she's just being like a complete asshole. And then she she handcuffs her and she's like, fuck you, you stupid cop. It's like, what? Like you ran away from her at a high speed chase it's like rose would do anything for her daughter including putting her life in danger (laughs) like swearing at cops because cops are stupid and don't understand ever because that's just what it is yeah it's it's like my my other thing is like 
because she was moving like you could tell like they were driving pretty fast oh, on the set yeah. of that movie like when she went through the like when she went through the gate and everything it's like that was like a 90 mile an hour speed they were going up that road for sure yeah she was flying down that road and like like it's like what what good do you think you're gonna do her and this happens basically is like she crashes her car and then like like you said she she died <laughs> and at those speeds she definitely should have rolled over like the, the, that crash was way too tame for yeah. the speed she was going well i mean i guess like because she you know she's basically in another universe or something so i guess it makes sense that her car would just be okay <laughs> but <laughs> you yeah, know we're it's just, just... going to explain this away is uh, she's in a magical other world and so everything's fine and don't ask too many questions about it okay thanks bye <laughs> I didn't get that part. It's just, I don't know. It was entirely driven by plot to get her where she needed to go without a lot of actual character motivation. And that was the problem is that there was no in-world character motivation for why any of it was happening. It was just, shit, we need her to do this. Shit, we need her to do that. We just, let's just get to the town and then people will like it. Let's, nobody's going to think about this. Let's just do something quick. Let's say we were going to try to make sense out of all this. One of the reasons I could see her maybe running from Sybil and like going on that massive fucking chase is she's like, I can't like deal with this anymore. I either have to deal with this now or never sort of thing. Cause maybe like, and her name's Sharon in the movie and in, in the game it's Cheryl, <laughs> but is Cheryl in the game's actually a little kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in the third one, she's like a teenager and she goes back to silent Hill and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But, um, the only reason I could see her maybe like if they, if they maybe presented it as like something where like Rose just snaps because she's like freaking out in the passenger seat, yelling out silent Hill. And then maybe Rose just snaps. And then that's what lands her there. Right. True. True. That could be it. You know, just like a, an incredible amount of stress on Rose's part where she's just like, like just stop it like that kind of thing see and that would have been way more intense than her just being like oh this cop is chasing me we gotta go it's like if her kids having a freak out because they're getting close and like oh that would have been so much better and then the cop could have been following them but they didn't even need to have a chase because she's just spun out because of the uh the kids screaming or the cop could be chasing them and the kids man that'd be yeah. so much more intense that'd be great yeah because then it created a bit of conflict between her and Sharon too, right? I like how you say that name with such aggression, like Sharon. <laughs> well, oh. in my in my notes, it's in quotations. I just don't understand why they gave her the name change. It just seems so unnecessary. I don't know. For me, it just it just kind of bugs me. <laughs> I can't justify that because everything else they've done, it seems, is to try to directly connect the games together. But I think that maybe because they changed the main like adult, the mother character to be a mother and to be a combination of people maybe they felt they needed to change it so it wasn't maybe yeah because if they if they give her the same name but she has a different mom then it completely fucks everything here they're only fucking some things <laughs> yeah well i mean they did they did create some original things for this movie and it maybe if it was like i don't know i i don't want to ex say explained better or shown better rather um because this movie explains a lot as it is but yep if it was shown differently, like Janet or Colin, he wasn't in any of the games. See, and but I'm he really was arguably one of the. So do I. Like that's why I'm saying, like for certain things like that, like they could have created even more for the movie itself instead of just being a retelling of multiple games or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it can be argued, I guess, that his his character is just like another brick that doesn't need to necessarily be there, but. When, you, when you're trying to present someone as being so distraught and tormented and broken as a human being, being bullied and burned sucks, but, like, being bullied and burned <laughs> and also, like, the victim of child molestation, like, that's just yeah. fucking awful. Yeah. Like, you would never be the same again as a yeah. human oh, being. Yeah, oh, no, for sure, for sure. And I guess, like, on that note... I don't, I don't, I, it, maybe it's a, a divergence from what we were talking about, but I just, it came into my head here. I, I really appreciated that she didn't 
that she didn't take the high ground at the end that she yeah you know despite my comment earlier about the the impact of choice and whatever but i i appreciate that she she didn't take the high ground because the whole time that her whole motivation is save the daughter and she just comes in to see her her new cop friend Sybil burned to shit and her daughter about to be the same it's like of course she's gonna let it kill them and like be totally okay with it and it's kind of satisfying even if like the moral compass is just get my daughter and get out and don't release this demon i'd say like if you wanted to get you know a little silent hilly on it is just like say if if you like a lot of people would say like you know i i would take i would take the moral high ground i wouldn't kill them it's like but you've never been in that position you don't know that no and and i i think we've established that she's willing to do what she has to do so this is what she has to do but also it's interesting do you do you think the kid's still a demon at the end I kind of thought she was a demon I, at the end. I think so, yeah, because she opened her eyes while all that shit was going on, and Dark Alessa was right in front of her, looking directly in her eyes. And then she's acting all weird after. Yeah. Like, she's, like, tilting her head kind of demon-like and, like, looking around. Yeah, her eyes look kind of, like, puffy and dark. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think she was a demon. Yeah. But then yeah. my <laughs> other question... I, I'm in, I'm intrigued by that that the ending because I I really appreciated the the sort of Stephen King esque ending where it isn't really a happy ending or it's like a bittersweet ending um, and I liked that she got back to her house and sat there and her husband was on the couch and she was on the chair and neither of them could see each other I I really liked that but I'm just curious like did she like how would she would have figured it out by the time she got there that right. she was trapped so like why did she seem so calm and why did she like sit there and smile like i wanted to to get involved with that <laughs> she's probably like this is better than silent hill man well the fair <laughs> but like i don't know that was just that seemed like such a powerful character beat yeah that yeah that she does all of this and she saves her daughter and she gets out and none of it matters because they're still dead anyways and and they can't escape and it's like that that would have been there's like there's so much such a powerful character moment in there that i wish we had had some time to grapple with even even like a couple of extra like minutes where she sits in the chair instead of just smiling weirdly she's like broken up about it and and like actually has to come to terms with it and then maybe she is happy at the end because she she's at peace you know, she's escaped purgatory yeah, kinda, or whatever. And... Yeah. But still kind of seems like she's in purgatory. Well, I mean, she is. But I guess you, you can't really escape. But I guess you could say because Silent Hill 2 is like a, a a game based on choices. So, like, you can get good endings. You can get bad endings. You can get whatever, right? So maybe it was, it was her first playthrough of the game. <laughs> you know? So she kind of got... <laughs> She kind of like got the shitty ending and now she has to go back and play through it again. <laughs> Damn it, I gotta do it all over again. I want the good ending. The good ending is don't fucking go to Silent Hill, lady. Just like stay home, put your daughter in a safe place. Because at the end of the day, nothing was gained from it either. Like all the people died, sure. But like the town is still evil or well, not evil, but the town is still cursed. The demon still exists. Your daughter is still possessed. And, like, nothing has been gained from this whole expedition. You've gained nothing except understanding what happened. Well, you got you got an experience that nobody else had. I mean, you got playthrough number one. You figured out the <laughs> game and the story, and now you can go back and do the achievement run where <laughs> you try and perfect it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta run through Silent Hill, only save twice. You gotta do it less <laughs> in less than three hours, and then you get the katana. <laughs> is that actually uh it's something like that yeah you can actually get a katana but it sounds really difficult to get and i know i wouldn't have the patience to do it i'm i'm one of those people who really likes achievements <laughs> and and i spend more time than i care to admit trying to like 100 percent my games in those stupid ways hey man that's fair. And, it, and it means that i never get to the end or if I do, I, I'm like, I never like fully finish a game because I'm always trying to perfect it. The only game I've ever actually 100% finished was Arkham Asylum. 
Oh, and that shit. took a long fucking time. And it really, like, I should not have done that. Collecting all those Riddler trophies, man, I couldn't dude, do it. I dude. tried, and I was just like, I can't do this. I did, and I, oh, I'm i not <laughs> proud of it. <laughs> dude, I would. I'm, I, mean, I mean, part of me is like, I'm glad I did it. And part of me is like, why did I waste yeah. all of this time? You got bragging rights. Be like, I bitch, guess. I got all the Riddler trophies. Yeah, but who's going to actually care about that? Any of the people that I have in my circle that I'm like, ah, I did this thing. They'd be like, what is wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> what are you, a yeah. masochist? <laughs> yeah, so like maybe maybe Rose, you know, also had to go get some more items. Maybe, maybe Rose represented the player just having to do the, the other playthroughs. Because you can get like... I don't know, like four or five different endings for Silent Hill games or something. That, see, I like when games do that. Yeah, just really dependent on these like little choices that you make. Because I know there's like uh, something in the first game where you have the choice to kill Sybil or not kill her. She doesn't get burned in the games. Is it, is it just me, by the way? Maybe I just missed it. But I don't think we ever got her name except for when she sends her in the elevator and closes the door and then she's yelling Sybil like open up but like did we actually get her name before that i maybe not before well there i, I think there is one did. i think there's one small scene with Sean Bean and that other police dude with the burns on his hands where he's like he's like yeah Sybil Bennett's like this and that and she right went to Silent Hill to get a boy whose dad like threw him into the mind shafts or something you're right okay so sean bean knows but it's her just, name yeah it's just very passing like i don't think she ever i don't think she, i don't think sybil ever introduces herself <laughs> which is movie. fine you don't have to do that it's a waste of time no. sometimes but i the first time i watched through the movie i don't think i knew what her name was i don't think i put two and two together and figured out that right. she was sybil until the second watch through when she was in the elevator and i was like oh that's what her name is <laughs> Well, I mean, as a police officer, you think even if she just gave a badge number, she's like, I want your badge number. And then she's like, OK, here's my badge number. Uh, Sybil Bennett, blah, blah, blah. There's yeah, my badge number. See, I don't know. there's my badge number. And then she shoots her. And, and, and part of <laughs> and then she shoots her. <laughs> and part of me is like, you, you don't need to have characters actually introduce themselves to each other. But they're just. In my mind, there needs to be a spot, and it probably just ended up on the cutting room floor somewhere. There was probably a spot where they made it more clear, but you just, you got to have a moment where the people talking to each other, like, clearly represent at least kind of who they are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that, that point is arguable. Some people might disagree with me, but, uh, and I think in certain contexts, like, every rule in filmmaking always has an exception but I think generally speaking, some rules can be bent, others broken, others completely even just forgotten about. Hashtag release the Gans cut. Oh, that would yeah. get right. The director I was like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think I actually said who the director was or you the did. writer. So. We had a very weird intro to this one. <laughs> yeah, we did. which is fine. It's okay. It's fine. Silent Hill is a weird, a weird thing. It's it's a movie about chaos and disorganization and <laughs> and it's like confusing geometry and <laughs> like why was the hotel room like five hundred thousand meters below ground or not the hotel room the <laughs> yeah hospital. I know I, I never really took note of that I was like fuck that's a long that's a long elevator shaft and maybe it's just you know like the the realm of Silent Hill bending you know, physics and gravity and stuff like that. But it's just like, damn. I kind of dis... Well, I got this impression before we even got to the elevator. I got this impression that, like, the geometry of the world wasn't right. You know, like, there was just stuff that was, was weird. Like, they go into the hotel and they go up and then there's just this hole in the wall and they just jump through to another building and then suddenly there's this gigantic space in like a factory like oh yeah it's really hard to figure out sometimes where they've gone where they are how the geometry works and i think that's kind of on purpose maybe it isn't but it i'm going to pretend yeah. it's on purpose uh because of the the like hospital or whatever too where i think that the 
sheer energy of the place is distorting reality. And I, I didn't uh, have a problem with yeah. it at all. It was yeah. just there were certain moments where I felt like I didn't understand the geometry and the, the geography of what was happening. Was I saying geometry? I should have been saying geography. I think you said geometry, okay. but I, I guess, well, you know, geography of the place. See, and the one thing that uh, the game did that I don't think the movie really did, but when when you go into the other world, it actually changes the layout of places on you. So you could actually kind of get screwed up thinking that you're going in one direction when you're going in another direction or there's certain corridors that might be closed off. So it would have been interesting to see if that actually happened where we have sort of, you know, if, if Rose was leaving some kind of, I don't know, like it might sound kind of stupid, but like if she was metaphorically leaving a trail of breadcrumbs, let's say, and then when she goes into the other world, you know, she follows them, but then they lead to dead ends and stuff, and then she gets kind of screwed up. That would have been kind of cool to see, too. I wonder how you'd work that in, though. Yeah, that's... You can only get so lost in a little town like Silent Hill, I guess. So it'd be kind of like... Unless she was carrying a map around with her, just so she, if she did kind of get screwed up, she could at least trace where she's already been. Especially in the school. Or even it would work in the in the hospital part or in the school part where like maybe she goes one way and then when she comes back that way is not there anymore. Yeah, exactly. I think that would have added more tension. Yeah. To to I mean I, this maybe is a change of topic again, but I did really really like the special effects in this. Yeah. I, yeah, like so the creatures I. looked really good. The the like the peeling of walls away and like the skin mm. fly. Oh, it was just it was it was really it looked really good. The whole visual uh, construction and presentation of everything looked really good. And I think the majority of the creatures were also practical as well. I'm pretty sure Pyramid Ooh. Head was practical. That I would hope weird... so. That would be really easy to do. Practically. Yeah. And that weird acid sack thing that came out of the fog world i don't know what it was the acid sack (laughs) but yeah that thing was practical too i think the nurses which were really good like the nurses were awesome yeah like when they i guess when they filmed them they they filmed them walking backwards and then they reversed the footage so that's why they kind of have that really weird movement to them is because they were actually walking backwards and then they told them clever yeah that's so really that's clever. That. Yeah. And like like just the way they move and stuff was really interesting as well. And like the the like freeze tag kind of thing of the light was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. That that was honestly the creepiest part. Like I I didn't find the movie scary at all. Um Yeah. But it was it was creepy in certain parts. Like the nurses mm. were fucking creepy. The um the like guy crawling like when Colin crawled out of the bathroom stall and started like, Oh yeah putting turning shit into the wall like i don't know why people don't don't run ever and they stand there and stare at this thing as it gets towards <laughs> them like i get it yeah, you gotta man. show it for a minute so that like the movie can live in it but yeah there's 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 uh the the one scene when um rose and uh sybil are in that that one room with the big fan in it when yeah. pyramid heads attacking them and all those bugs start fl- like Ooh, yeah. flowing in and then, like, Rose is there just kind of, like, kicking them off. And I'm like, dude, if that were me, I would be jumping up and down, like, trying to squish as many of those things as I could. Yeah. Like, they were a lot calmer in that situation than I would have been. I did have... I would disagree a little bit there, only in the sense that I would I would say that that scene made me realize how much I hate screaming in horror movies. <laughs> because the whole time... Rose is just screaming and it's yeah grating, she's crying and like, and like yeah. she's yelling get down but then she's not getting down so like why are you yelling get down when you're not doing it <laughs> like like none of none of that part made any sense and I was started thinking about it in that scene and I realized how much I hate that trope of horror movies where people just scream because it's like it's grating it's annoying it's it's not I don't know I I don't know about you but like I don't hear a lot of people scream ever I've heard it maybe once where someone yeah, actually screamed I'm even, in terror. I'm even thinking of like, you know, situations where, you know, I've been in like fearful situations or whatever, or if, even if I just, I don't know, you kind of just think of people and I, I just don't know many people that would just scream. I think it'd be more of a freeze. 
yeah. the fight or flight thing, right? So yeah. you, I think you'd freeze like a like a deer in headlights. And, and again, if you were fighting them off, you'd probably, I don't know, I think you'd be more focused on killing as many of those fucking bugs as you possibly could than screaming. And I'm sure you'd make some noises, but just like yeah. the, the, I just, it bothers me in horror movies in the same way that like I really dislike in action movies when people just yell action movie jargon. It's just like it's a placeholder because <laughs> people were too lazy to come up with something better, you know. Um, so and action it, movie jargon. Are you just talking like if they're if they're hacking into the mainframe kind of shit? Yeah, or like in when we talked about Doom and they're like, oh, how long are they getting through? Oh, not long. It's like there's no fucking like no <laughs> no, you know. So and yeah. and to me, the scream in horror movie like there's moments for it. Yes, there's there's mm. mo and, oh, yeah, but using it scarcely is great. But the whole fucking movie, she was just screaming all the time, and it drove me nuts. And <laughs> and I uh, like, yeah. And then and then after when they're done, and and the day comes back, and the pyramid head goes away, and they walk out, they're just like immediate. She's immediately calm and is consoling Sybil. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, right? This makes no fucking sense. Actually, but, I kind of laughed. I kind of laughed at Sybil when she's like, what the fuck is going on? Because I probably have the same reaction, but it's just, yeah. I don't know. It kind of comes out of nowhere. No, no. I, I, I would. Well, yes. I would say, though, that Sybil's, Sybil's part of that, like when they walk out, like that's exactly what I would expect someone to do. Like they walk sure, out and they're like, yeah. what the fuck just happened? Like, <laughs> like that totally bought that. That that part was great. Yeah. Rose turning around and being perfectly calm saying, it's going to be fine. We're going to be fine. I'm like, you were just <laughs> yeah. screaming your face yeah. off. You are not this calm. This makes no sense. And and not, not to mention before that, she was laying in the middle of the hallway at the school crying on the ground. Yeah. yeah. And Sybil's the one that saved her ass. You think that she would still be in like at least a state of shock, like at least have like consistent character anyways. And And the thing is, is it didn't even serve a purpose. Like it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't really do anything to have her for her character or for the plot to have her yeah. suddenly calm like that. Like it, it's not there for a reason. So why is it there at all when it doesn't make sense for her character with what's happened? Yeah. It goes from 11 to four in like <laughs> three seconds. Turn it up to 11. <laughs> Fuck. That's a good movie. That's uh spinal tap. Yeah. It goes yeah, to 11. Well, what makes tap. it better? Well, cause it goes to 11. But what if 10 was just as loud? But it goes to 11. <laughs> oh, man, it's been a while since I watched that. Same. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, this is definitely one of the better video game adaptations that I've seen just because even though in in a lot of, in a lot of ways the execution isn't the greatest, but the aesthetic of it, like, it has a Silent Hill aesthetic. Like, it... Like, whenever I watch that movie, I think Silent Hill. I don't think anything else, like, would do yeah. my thought of Predator. And and I and I would say that despite having said the things we've said about the problems with it, like, I still think overall it's a pretty solid movie. Yeah. You know, of all of the, again, of all the video game movies we've done so far, this has been my favorite. Like, it's got good production value. It doesn't look cheap. It's not super schlocky and uh, overly corny in a bad way. It's got some good kills in it. Like when uh, Pyramid Head rips Anna's skin off. Oh, God. That was really well done. But holy yeah. crap. That was brutal. <laughs> and and it really sells Pyramid Head as like something to actually be afraid of. It's too bad we don't really see him after that. No, you don't. It would have been awesome to see him at the end come in and just start hacking people up. Like that's a great climactic moment. But then also you want to build on that, right? You want to make yeah. it so that now that we've seen him do that he's way more terrifying because it's not just some guy with a big sword. It's some guy with a big sword who can literally rip the skin off of a person. Well, and then you add that up with all the barbed wire flying around and people being ripped in half and everything. And then you, and then you like, what if, what if like, uh, say if you built on the, the villagers a little bit, say if you gave a little bit more character to the villagers, like say if there was like some lackey that the, the main like priestess or whatever had, it would have been cool to see, in, you know, in a similar fashion to Anna, how um, Pyramid Head just appeared behind her and snuck up on them. But then you add Pyramid Head to that whole smorgasbord of pain and suffering, basically. Like, you're just like, damn. Yeah, like when they're when they're trying to go down the elevator, you mean? Or No, I'm talking at the end when uh, Alessa comes back and all oh, the barbed wire is shooting out and, and stuff. Oh, starts mushing people. 
Yeah, and like, Oof. what if he was walking around with like ten people on the sword or something like that? It, how would he get in though? Because like he still can't get into the church. The only reason she got in is because uh, uh, Rose carried her in. Yeah, but I I mean like I think as far as I understand that's like a place that the darkness hasn't touched. So once the darkness touches that place, I think it's fair game to any mm. anything, right? Or even, yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Or even just him outside, so like they try to run out and he's just out the front door mowing him down or something. Well, in Silent Hill 2, there's a time, I think there's two pyramid heads walking around. So what if there Ooh. was just like another, like there was that pyramid head plus another one, just like gatekeepers or something like that. That'd be cool. Like those friggin' big like, statues that like yeah. come alive and smush people. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. That. I like that. That would have been pretty cool. I guess there were to the game part, there were two my last two thoughts uh I forgot to mention when you were talking about were when you were talking about how it looked like the game. There was that when she's trying to run away the first night, I think. And she's got her flashlight out and it goes into like the first person, like her flashlight scanning and she finds the, the caged wall that she can, or the fence wall she can jump out of. Looked exactly like it was out of a video game, which was cool. And then, oh, okay. Yeah. And then when we see pyramid head, uh, it's like after she's gotten away from him the first time and she's like in the school courtyard on her knees, kind of breathing heavily. And then he just comes out sword, like dragging like bugs all over him, like looked exactly like the cutscene from like a, the boss fight where you're just like oh i made it to this big open space great oh my god what's that oh, right. <laughs> felt like boss yeah, right. fight intro cutscene which was super well done yeah if you if you haven't played silent hill and haven't seen the movie i'd say watch it anyways i don't think it spoils anything really no i don't think so i mean i think it's a pretty good like you know homage to the game or whatever like it's got all the recognizable things like that's one thing i guess i can give it credit for is it's got all the recognizable things it just comes you know it was probably a maybe a producer choice by you know anything it was just like well everybody knows pyramid head and everybody knows the nurses so throw them in there they're iconic and when you're trying to decide what and what villains you want to use you want to use enemies that are iconic and recognizable and you want to be able to do it in a way that's kind of makes sense so I, I think overall it kind of succeeded in that regard there's obviously it's not perfect it's never going to be perfect but i think that they did a they did a good job with what they had yep 100 percent. as always there are spoilers so if you haven't seen the film and care about ruined endings watch it before you listen to this episode if you enjoyed the show and would like to support its creation please consider heading over to our patreon there's a link in the description and on our social media we do spend a lot of time in pre- and post-production to bring you the best content we can, and with your support, we can continue to improve the show and bring you new and unique content. Without you, this podcast couldn't exist, so thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye!